right. Well, we, if you are a visitor with us this morning, I believe they're going to throw up a, uh, a slide on the screen. And if you would text Emmaus OKC to 77411, we would love to, to know that you're here this morning with us. There's a TV coming in. You know, not used to all that cool technology. Um, but we, uh, we would love to, to know that you're here with us this morning and be able to reach out to you and just uh, find a way that we can serve your family and bring you uh, alongside us as we seek to glorify Christ and to just make him known in our church. So uh, we're excited that you're here visiting with, with us this morning. Uh, today, as we said earlier, uh, Pastor Owen is on vacation. So... Uh, a few weeks ago, he asked me if I would be willing to preach, and I mo- was moving this weekend, so I, I, all of the factors said, no, don't preach, no, don't preach, uh, but I can't say no to preaching, so uh, I was really excited that Owen asked me to be, to be here this morning, not that I wouldn't have been here anyways, but to, do, to be up here and to bring a word from the Lord this morning from Hebrews chapter 10, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to Turn there. I'm also going to turn there because I lost my spot here. But this morning, uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, it is, Hebrews is a really cool book of the Bible. Uh, we don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, there's not an author attached to this, to this book. Uh, some people say Paul wrote it. Some people say Luke wrote it, which I like the idea of Luke writing it, because that's my favorite book of the Bible. My first son's name is Luke. Uh, but some people say it was Apollos. I don't, some of you guys might not even have, have ever heard of Apollos. I also like the idea that Apollos wrote it, because I feel bad for the dude. Like, Paul always describes him as this really smart guy that was a really good preacher. And I'm like, poor Apollos didn't get any books in the Bible. So uh, sometimes I like to think Apollos wrote it. It, you know, ask me tomorrow. I might change my mind. It's one of those books that we're not sure who wrote it, but whoever wrote it, uh, it is a grand picture of what God did through Jesus, Uh, what God has done for us through Jesus, what God has provided for us in Jesus. The first half of the book up until uh, chapter 10, verse 19, where we're going to pick up today, the first half of the book Uh, describes this grand narrative, this grand story, this grand picture of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, of the fact that he, being our high priest, doesn't, uh, he understands us. He's not a high priest who doesn't understand what we go through. Everything that you went through this week, everything that has been difficult for you in your life, uh, Hebrews tells us The book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, tells us that we have a great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, who can sympathize with our temptations. Uh, He can, he understands us because not only did he, you know, create us, but he came here in flesh, God with us, God among us, and lived life with us on this earth. Jesus is everything, and his sacrifice is everything. And this morning, I want us to understand this. Jesus' sacrifice affects how we live. So a lot of times we will think about the sacrifice of Christ. We'll think about what Christ did on the cross, and we will think, you know, yes, it has made a way for us to be forgiven. Yes, it has forgiven, he has forgiven us of our sins. Yes, it has reordered creation. 
It has done big things. Jesus' death on the cross accomplishes much. But, but what we forget sometimes, and where Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, takes us throughout the rest of the book, we're not going to do the whole book today, we'd be here quite a while, but where we get started in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, and throughout the rest of the book is this application. What does it do? What does it mean for our lives? How does it affect our lives that Jesus Christ died for us? Yes, we are forgiven as Christians, those who have put their faith in Jesus. Yes, our sins have been taken away, but what does that mean? Where do we go from here? So I want us to pick up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 this morning, and I want us to understand, first off, this first point, and it's going to be on the screen. Jesus' sacrifice challenges us to draw close to God. Jesus' sacrifice challenges us to draw close to God. Picking up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. A lot of big words around that, which is why we sometimes like to think that Apollos wrote it because he's the smart dude, you know, in the Bible. But I want us to, to, to focus in on two words that are an application point for us today. Draw near. And not just to draw near, but to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Jesus' sacrifice, his death on the cross, his atonement, if you want to use that word this morning, challenges us to draw close to God. Sometimes when people hear about God, when we talk about God, when we use the language God, this word that we use in English to describe God, the immediate thought of some is of a, of a far-off, distant, powerful deity, a being, who doesn't care much about their life. There may be people this morning in this room who may not think of God that way, but we act in that way. Our lives show a picture of a God that we believe in who is not here, who is not in this room right now with us, who is not in our hearts, but who is far off, away, different, distant. Yes, he is different. He is holy. But we also need to understand that, yes, God is the big boss, and yes, God is the CEO, but he's the kind of CEO that comes down to the lower level to meet with the janitor. That's the kind of God that we have. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's not a far off, distant, uncaring God. He has called us to draw near, to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And we have that full assurance of faith because of what Jesus has done on the cross back in uh, the first 10 chapters. We, we see that. It is important to understand God's power. It is important to see God as the boss, the CEO, a big God. But God is different than that. He is not just that. Other religions will tell us, and you've probably heard this metaphor before, will tell us, climb the mountain, climb the mountain, be better, be better, do better, do better, get to God, keep climbing, 
You let your good outweigh your bad. But we have a God who sent a great high priest here with us. That's a big deal this morning. By sending Jesus Christ, God the Father has given us a way to know him personally and to draw close to him. I don't know that we as Christians who are here every Sunday morning really grasp how big of a deal this is. He, the God of the universe, the big boss, the CEO, the big God, our holy God, has called us to know him personally, to spend our days with him, to walk with him and to talk with him, to be with him. In the beginning of our passage this morning, you see the word therefore, and that points us once again back to what Jesus did on the cross. We're gonna talk, I'm going to say that 30 times this morning. Jesus has done so much for us. It's better than animal sacrifices. It's better than anything we could offer to God, and it has made a way for us to draw near to God. The curtain in the temple tore, symbolizing the fact that we have been granted access into the most holy place, into the fullness of God's presence that we are able to experience on this earth right now. Right? We're, we're not ever going to experience it fully until we get to heaven, but we get the fullness that we can experience right here, right now on earth because of what Jesus has done for us. We have assurance and we have confidence that he is going to accept us, that he has accepted us because of his son's blood. We don't have fear of death anymore. We don't have to have fear of rejection anymore because these have been replaced with confidence that we have been adopted into his family. Think about a dad and his kids. And many of you in this room might be dads yourself. Think about a dad and his kids. Sometimes, just like any parent, I have to get on to my kids, right? We have to discipline our kids. But they know, my kids know, as I hope your kids know, and I know they do, that even when they mess up, even when my kids mess up, I still love them and I won't ever reject them. And I don't know where this quote comes from. I like to, if I say a quote, I like to, you know, give a little bit of credit where credit is due. But I think this has got to be public, public domain or something because I can't find a name attached to this quote anywhere. But I want us to hear these words this morning. Religion says, I messed up, don't call dad. Religion says, I messed up, don't call dad, don't tell dad. The gospel says, I messed up, I need to call dad. I messed up, I need to call dad. That is what it means when we are called and told to draw near to God, to be close to him, knowing that yes, he is holy, he is perfect, he has called us to holiness today and to, to, to follow him in, his, in, the, in the steps of Jesus. But when we mess up, when we don't live up to that standard because none of us can, we understand that I messed up, I need to call dad. That's, that's the gospel. That's what Jesus tells us. That's what Hebrews chapter 10 tells us. Draw near to God. His sacrifice challenges us to draw closer to God. Our second point today that I want us to see from Hebrews chapter 10 is this. Jesus' sacrifice challenges us to cling to God's promises. So we, we, we draw near to God, but we're also called to cling to his promises. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who 
promised is faithful. A lot of times uh, in ministry, I've always been told under promise over deliver, right? I don't know if anyone in your work settings have been told that under promise over deliver. You don't want to over promise and then under deliver. Always under promise and over deliver. But what's really cool about God's promises is that he doesn't under promise. He over promises and he over delivers. He's not like us where he has to start low, start with a low bar and then move up from there. God has given us everything in Jesus. All the promises of God, all the inheritance of God, everything that he has, he's already laid out before us and said, it's yours in Christ. You have forgiveness, you have holiness, you have righteousness. He challenges us to cling to his promises based upon the full assurance of faith that we have in Christ, based upon our confession of hope, that we have hope in God. We become more and more aware of God's promises as we draw close to him, as you spend time with him in the word every day, as you draw close to God every day, you become more and more aware of what he has done for you and what he promises to give you. And when you find out those promises, you hear those promises in scripture, you, you hear what God has done for you. He's telling us here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, cling to that. Hold on to what God has given you. Because listen, there's gonna come there are going to come hard times in your life. There, there are going to come times in your life where people will forsake you, where your best friends will leave you, where family issues arise. There will come times when sickness arrives. There will come times when death arrives in, in your family and in, 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 in our church. You know this. It's, 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 it's our life, Right? Hard things happen. Today I want you to do this. I want you to write this down, especially parents, families, whatever. Write this down. What exactly has God promised? That question, write it down. What exactly has God promised? And in your families today, as you gather for lunch, as you get together this afternoon, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to talk about the promises of God. Because they're, they're countless. There's so many of them in Scripture. There's so many things that God has given us in Christ. He's promised us these things. And he doesn't under-promise and over-deliver. He over-promises and over-delivers. One promise that he gave us is this, that he would write the law on our hearts and minds. This means that instead of having to fulfill the law perfectly on our own merits, which is never possible, God would give us the means by which we could accomplish his will in Christ, not on our own power, not on anything we could do, but, but what Jesus does through us. Jesus has accomplished it on our behalf and has come into our hearts. Uh, that's why when we talk about clinging to God's promises, one of the promises is that we have everything we need in Christ to live out the way he wants us to live. Atone, his atonement, his sacrifice changes the way we live not because it's this burden where we're constantly thinking, I have to live up to what Christ has done, I have to be more holy, I have to do, 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 but because he has made it possible by writing his law on our hearts, putting the Holy Spirit in our midst, in we carry the Holy Spirit with us, he is with us. He's made it possible to do the things and be the people that he wants us to be. We shouldn't worry about God's promises being fulfilled. 
because they're not dependent on us. It's not dependent on us for his law to be written on our hearts. He has done it in Christ. When we put our faith in him, there's not a single thing that we can do to take that away. His law is written on our hearts. We shouldn't be worried about his promises being fulfilled. They are dependent on a God who loves us. They are dependent on a God who never fails to do what he says he will do. We shouldn't look to ourselves when struggles of faith come because we are not the object of our faith. We shouldn't look to ourselves when we lack confidence because we are confident in him alone. We shouldn't look to ourselves when storms arise because we know that God can calm a raging sea. We shouldn't look to ourselves when our bodies fail because we know that God raises bodies from the grave. Amen? We look to God to see us through, not to ourselves. Cling to his promises today. Cling to Jesus today. Our third point that we see, and this is the one that always rubs up against people, right? We see uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, this challenge from the author of Hebrews coming straight from God that Jesus' sacrifice challenges us to encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more. All the more. This isn't one of those things where we say, well, how much, can I, like, how much can I get away with? How much church, how much meeting with the saints, meeting with the body of Christ can I get away with and be okay? This is all the more. All the more. One of the prevailing thoughts of our time that, that you'll hear people say often is that people like Jesus, but not the church. People have come to the conclusion, some people, that they can have their own relationship with Jesus apart from the church. Has anyone heard something like that this before? I know we all have. Uh, I just had a conversation with a family member, uh, with, with a friend many, many years ago that told me that, you know, I, I'm not into the church thing, right? It seems that the reaction to the church as an organization is connected to the mistake that many of us make by equating the church with a building or a service on a Sunday. I think that's where that mistake comes from, where we say, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church right? Now, we, need, we have this. Like, this is our meeting. This is where we meet as Emmaus Baptist Church on Sunday morning at 1045 and 915 for our small groups. But the real issue comes down not to whether, uh, whether we are saved by the church. Like, that's not a thing, right? We're saved by Christ. Uh, we don't gain salvation by coming to church. But the real issue comes down to the fact that when you take this verse, these passages right here, they are surrounded on both sides by, let me use a big word, salvific language. That's the word that talks about salvation, okay? So all before Hebrews chapter 10, 19, and Hebrews chapter 10, 26 through the end of of 10, the end of chapter 10, you're surrounded by all of this talk about God saving a people for himself, bringing us out of darkness and into into light. Uh, salvation. We are not saved by the church. There's not a single place in scripture that's going to tell us that we have to 
do something to be saved. But we have to understand that our salvation affects the way we live. His sacrifice affects the way we live. It challenges us in different ways. And in this passage, it challenges us to encourage one another. One of the greatest accomplishments that Jesus' sacrifice had is that it brought together a people for his own name, a priesthood for God, a people of God. We call it the family of God, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. This is one of the greatest accomplishments that Jesus' death accomplished, right? And if we, if we look at Christ's death and we say, we try to narrow it down to, well, how much can I get away with, right? How much of encouraging the church, how much being a part of the church can I get away with? Then we cheapen what he did for us. This is not a, this is not a guilt trip on anybody. There are times when I am like, I'm too tired, I don't want to go to church this morning, right? I know you, you guys feel me on that, right? I'm too tired, I don't want to have to deal with people this morning, right? We all get, that, get to that place. This is not a guilt trip. This is a challenge from God's word for us as the church to encourage one another, to be in each other's lives, to not neglect meeting together, but all the more be a part of each other's lives, all the more Jesus' is, Jesus's death was not cheap. And our response to it should not be cheap either. So when Hebrews tells us to be concerned for one another, I have a question that I want to ask. How can we be concerned for people whom we think we can do without? How can we have an encouraging spirit and a concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ when we think that we can do without them? Maybe people that are not here this morning that think, I can do this Christian life without the church. Maybe people who are here this morning and have not really plugged into the life of the church. How can we encourage one another and fulfill this challenge from Christ if we think we can do without each other? Because we can't. How can you say you need the church and still be concerned for the people of the church? It doesn't make sense. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to turn to John chapter 13, I want to encourage you to do that, but uh, we're going to read John chapter 13 real fast. I want to give you guys a picture from John of an idea of what it looks like to, uh, to be the church. What is the true mark of a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? John 13, 34 through 35 says this. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Let's say it together, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when Hebrews, when the author of Hebrews tells us to have concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage one another in Christ, it's not a guilt trip, because so many times we look at this passage, and, and it's usually thrown at us by somebody who's like, hey, you, you've been at a church for a month. You need to re- go read Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25, because you ain't in the Lord's will right now, you know? But that's not, what, that's not the point here. The point here is to challenge us and encourage us and spur us on to, to, to be the church, to do what God has called us to do. And 
And at the very root of everything in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25, is love for one another. And we, you can't love the church if you don't know the church, right? You can't love people from afar. The kind of love that Jesus has given us is the kind of love to come and be with us. Now, I understand we are in a time period in our lives right now where some people have to be away, right? We get it. Like, that's why we have online services, right? But that's something we all have to individually, with the Holy Spirit, go through this and say, where, how am I connected to the church, right? How can I be a part of the church, even if I'm away, right? Even if I have to be away for a little while, how can I still be encouraging the church? How can I still be loving the church? How can we still be encouraging you and loving you? Hebrews gives us a picture of what it looks like to love one another. So how can we do this practically? Practically, Well, for one, the church is meant to be a distinctive community within one's own society. It doesn't mean that the church is supposed to be this like subculture that pulls away necessarily or tries to create its own little world, right? We live in the world, but not of it. We are in the world, but not of it. So we're not trying to get out of the world necessarily. But we have to be a distinctive community within our community, within our society, our nation, our state, whatever level you want to take that to. We've got to be distinctive. This doesn't mean, once again, that we disconnect ourselves from other groups, right? Doesn't mean we all quit our jobs or you know, come hide in this building all the time. That's not the point, right? But Christians, Christians who have attempted to do that, Christians who have attempted to create their own little world that is separate, completely separate from the rest of the world have always failed at the Great Commission, okay? If you, I, I'm gonna challenge you. If you, want, if you can find me one like group that completely disconnected from any kind of world or society and you can show me how they fulfilled the Great Commission, I want, I mean, do it. Come, tell, come talk to me afterwards. I just opened my, myself up to some crazy, all kinds of stuff, okay? But um, I want to challenge you to do that. Find a group that, a group of Christians or believers that completely pulled away from society and still reached people with the gospel. It's not, it's, history doesn't show that, okay? So we have this, we have this tension of not being in the world, or being in the world but not of it, Jesus was very clear, though, that we have to be around unbelievers. So we're not saying in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25, that we're pulling away, okay? I told, I've told the students multiple times so far that I, we want them in their teams. We want them in things that are going to get them connected with unbelievers, right? Because that's the only way that they're going to reach people if they're connected with people that aren't Christians, right? Uh, but what does it mean... For the ch- what, what, is, what it does mean is that the church's way of life as a community should be visible. It should be visible to the people we interact with every day. You want to be a part of something else? Go for it. Like, we want you. Get out there. Go start a business. Go run a, a community nonprofit. Go, go to school. Go, do, go do, build your homes. Go do stuff. We don't want you here all the time. We love you, but we don't want you here all the time, right? Uh, we want you out there. You're sent, right? But whenever you leave this place, we, the encouragement from Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25 is not to uh, have a time with the church and then go and be yourself the rest of the time. The encouragement is that what we do here should be visible in your life. 
what God is doing here at Emmaus Baptist Church should go out into every town 50 miles from this place, and people should say, wow, that person goes to Emmaus Baptist Church. That's awesome. Like, they're, they are living out their faith in the community, in the world, with people they intera- interact with every day. So when was the last time, this is a good question, when was the last time you talked about your church with other people? Some of us do, right? Many of us do, but I want to encourage you. Another challenge, challenge to talk about the promises of God today. Second challenge is this. Talk to somebody about your church this week. Tell them what God's doing in your church this week. Somebody that doesn't go to church here, okay? Let what happens here be visible out there. Everything that happened in the early church, you know, the first few chapters of Acts, impacted people around them. You look in Acts chapter two, and it said they had favor with all the people, right? Now, we're not always, that, we're not always gonna have favor with all the people, right? But if we live our faith out here and we come and, and be a part of the body here and we meet together and we encourage one another, it should impact the way we live. The local church, listen to this. The local church is the hope of the world because it, because it is the vehicle through which the gospel is displayed. The local church is the hope of the world because it is the vehicle through which the gospel is displayed. If we take the gospel seriously, if we take what Jesus, his sacrifice, his atonement, if we take it seriously, what he's done for us, we can't miss out on what the local church is doing because it is the hope of the world because we display the gospel. We have to be a part of the church. The church is God's community, and when people see the church, they should see a reflection of who God is. They should see Jesus and what he has done by his blood. Now we've had a lot of challenges today. His, cha- his sacrifice challenges us to draw close to God. When you think God is far away, understand as a believer, he is not far from you. He loves you, he is in your corner. Draw close to him. Whatever's going on in your life today, draw close to God. Secondly, and it goes along with that same thing, Understand that God has promised you so much. He's given you everything he has. He's laid it all out on the table for you in Christ. Cling to his promises today. Cling to what he has given you and go and talk to your families about it. Talk to your families about the promises of God. What has God promised you and how does that impact your life today? How does it impact the way you live? Draw near to God, cling to his promises, and encourage one another. We can't do it alone. We need each other. God has called us to each other in Christ. This is the church. Let's be the church to one another. We want to go to the Lord in prayer, and Justin's going to come up and lead us in one more song. We are getting out early today, so y'all going to be all the other churches to, to, to lunch, all right? But um, we want to go to the Lord in prayer. If you are new to our church, I'm going to be down here. There might be some others maybe uh, down here towards the front. Um, at the end of the service. We would love to meet you. We would love to connect with you, uh, tell you a little bit more about our church. So meet us down here after we, after we get done singing to the Lord one more time. And, and then once again, we're the church. As Owen has been saying the last few weeks, stick around for a little bit. Talk to each other. Meet somebody new. Connect with each other. Encourage one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for what you're doing at Emmaus Baptist Church. Uh, we are so grateful for the fact that we that are here and those who are at home watching online who can't be with us this morning. 
and those who are, are gone on vacation and just Emmaus Baptist Church, wherever we're at today, God, we're so grateful for the fact that we get to be in each other's lives. We're so grateful that you gave us the people in this church that we needed. We're so grateful that uh, not only did you give us this church, God, but you've given us everything. In Christ, in his sacrifice, you've given us everything, God. Uh, we pray that anyone in this room today who doesn't know you, who has never put their faith in you, who doesn't have a relationship with you, who has not been forgiven of their sins, God, we pray today that they would draw near to you, not on their own merits, not on anything that they've done, but God, to the contrary, that they would draw near to you on the basis of what you have done for them. God, we pray that if anyone doesn't know you this morning, that they would put their faith in you today, that they would find me or Jeff or Jim or another believer and that they would ask, how can I know Jesus today? And God, we pray and we just thank you so much for your sacrifice and, and the challenges it gives us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.